Hello, I'm Michael L. Harris, and this is Midwest Entertainment Review, a place where I talk frankly about theater, concerts, events, such as festivals and fairs, and talent that I've seen throughout the Midwest, with a concentration on the northern Indiana, Michigan area. The first question you might be asking yourself is, why should I listen to this guy? I mean, why is his opinion worth anything, and where does he get off thinking he has special powers that make him capable of discerning what is good entertainment and talent? Well, that's a good question, and that is precisely why I made this first episode, to give you a little background and help you understand where I am coming from. First of all, opinions are subjective, or in the terms of a much cruder, unknown philosopher, they're like (laughs) a-holes. Everyone has one, and so you may walk away from a show and say, hey, I think that was great or you may not be quite as impressed. Either perspective is valid, but after attending over 100 plays, concerts, and events this past year, and having spent the last four decades working as a professional actor, I might have a few insights that I can share. If you just want to go to the theater and laugh, there are probably few plays that can't give you a couple minutes of entertainment. My remarks are generally directed at a little bit higher critical evaluation of a production. But I also hope to give you a broad idea of some things that are available and works that are being produced in the area that you might want to check out, whether you're just out for a nice evening or are interested in a little bit more cluck for your buck. And I'll also throw in a few tips that I've learned about how to get that extra cluck for your buck by purchasing tickets as cheap as possible without clicking on those annoying coupon ads, which never seem to work, and collect your emails so you get a ton of junk in your inbox. For the past three years, I've reintroduced myself to theater and live events by jumping in full bore to the tune of approximately 100 events a year. I subscribe to seven or so theaters in northern Indiana and in Chicago, and I attend concerts regularly at many of the smaller, more economical venues. I rarely pay more than $60 for a ticket, even for people like Scotty McCreary, who is usually between the $40 and $60 mark, or Sean Mendez, who's also in about that ballpark. While it requires some diligence and shorter notice, you generally can get half-price tickets on hotticks.org for the Chicago area and other larger markets, and mostly for theater. Last year, I wanted to see a production called An Evening with C.S. Lewis, which I'd seen in a magazine. And after a year of searching for the play, I saw that it was playing at the Broadway Playhouse in Chicago one night when exiting that theater. I went up to the box office and I said, hey, how much are tickets for that show? And I about fell over from sticker shock. While bemoaning my bad good luck finding the show and then discovering the price, I remembered hot ticks. Sure enough, when I went in to check it out on the website about a week or so later, I found that the same tickets I would have purchased from the box office for an exorbitant amount, I got at half price, well within my $40 to $60 price range for shows like that. The first year I subscribed to Broadway in Chicago, I paid $130 for five shows. Granted, I was in the nosebleed section, which, incidentally, if you get an aisle seat, offers quite a nice view of the entire stage. And Chicago theaters tend to have some good sound, even in the upper reaches, unlike Broadway and South Bend series at the Morris, which has terrible sound in the upper reaches. Although, a great view. And usually in cases, except for 
maybe like the Lion King that had about a zillion children in it, you can have considerable room for social distancing in those upper regions. And did I mention that among those five shows in the first Broadway and Chicago package was Hamilton and The Strange Incident of the Curious Dog in the Nighttime? Not only did that guarantee me that I was among the first audiences to see Hamilton in Chicago, but also that I was able to see it at a very reasonable price. Incidentally, if you're seeing Hamilton for the first time, whether it's live or on Disney+, Plus, I highly recommend that you seek out and watch the PBS documentary about the show. In it, Lin-Manuel Miranda explains how each of the songs in the show came about and a bit of historical orientation. It will greatly enhance both your understanding of the show and of Miranda's genius. So, back to me. When I was growing up in the late 1960s, there were very few opportunities for young actors and actor wannabes to learn their craft. I got my initial education in theater by volunteering as an usher at the Enchanted Hills Playhouse, a now-defunct theater that operated near Lake Wawasee in Syracuse, Indiana. The theater was built in a converted barn. Originally, it was an alley theater with seating on both sides of the old barn. Later owners remodeled it into a proscenium theater and an equity house, which is what it was when I first started working there. The Wagon Wheel Theater in Warsaw, Indiana, became an integral part of my early theatrical education as well, and offered a new perspective, Theater in the Round. Wagon Wheel has been entertaining audiences for over 60 years, and they always do a fantastic job. My only complaint, however, is that in recent years, with the buildup of the original stage, presumably to give the orchestra a little more headroom, the stage is now closer to the audience level, which occasionally leads to poor sight lines, compounded by the fact that their set designer insists upon placing large set pieces and even scaffolding between the audience and the stage, further compounding sight lines. In my opinion, when it comes to theater in the round, the age-old motto of less is more doubly applies. Nevertheless, Wagon Wheel gives great value, and I have rarely walked away disappointed in a performance. They also do what all good musical theaters should do and employ a live orchestra. After finishing my bachelor's degree in theater and social work at Ball State University, I got married and began life in earnest as a social worker. The acting bug continued to bite, however, and I returned a few years later to BYU to seek an MFA in acting. Note to the wise actor here. In real life and in the real business of acting, no one really cares where you got your degree or if you got a degree, or how many awards you received in high school or college. Unless, of course, those awards were Emmys, Oscars, Grammys, or Tonys. What they do care about is, number one, that you can act, and number two, that you're a good team player. So, pursuing a master's for me seemed like the right course. But the biggest thing I really learned came as a side note. In the early 1980s, a man named Tad Danielewski was teaching at BYU. Tad was a noted director and had played a key role in the early days of NBC. He had also started a self-named professional actor's workshop on both coasts, and his students included Eli Wallach, Martin Sheen, and numerous others. Tad had also started a branch of his professional actor's workshop at BYU, and I became a part of that workshop. Tad not only taught me a ton about acting, but also introduced me to my first film festival, the U.S. Film and Video Festival, which he had had a hand in starting and which operated out of an old English-style converted double-decker bus in Park City, Utah. The festival was in its second or third year when I came along, and 
The notable guest that first year that I went was Jamie Lee Curtis, who smoked like a chimney but was great and always interested in speaking with us. The festival was small and featured twice as many shorts as it did features, but I came away inspired with a passion to produce. Incidentally, the U.S. Film and Video Festival changed its name after Tad and others convinced a young actor named Robert Redford to take it over. You know it now as Sundance. With my passion for producing fully established, I began work on my first feature, and later became a part of the initial effort to convert the Elko Theater in downtown Elkhart back to a live performance venue that we hoped to reestablish under its original name, The Learner. During my time at the Elko slash Learner, I helped produce concerts with then-popular artists like Kathy Matea and the late Eddie Rabbit and Joe Diffie. I also started the first training camp in the area for young actors, known as ACTORS, A-C-T-O-R-S, because the initial founding group of the Learner was an organization called America's Children Tomorrow, hence ACT, A-C-T, and then ORS to make it actors. Anyway, I wanted to pattern this group after the Mickey Mouse Club Mouseketeers, which had created many great talents, such as Bobby Burgess, a regular later in life on The Lawrence Welk Show, Johnny Crawford from The Rifleman, starring opposite Chuck Connors, and Paul Peterson, who has since become a chief advocate for child performers' rights, and, of course, Annette Funicello. In its later incarnation, The Mouse Club also introduced us to Ryan Gosling, Britney Spears, and Justin Timberlake, at actually about the same time as my actors were getting started. We provided three hours of training every Saturday for our actors, one hour in dance, one hour in acting, and one hour in voice, and this was for over 60 kids for about a year. Since then, many other groups have begun offering classes for kids in the area, which is fantastic. But none has done so quite to the degree or scope that we did at that time. After the city of Elkhart took over the operations at the Learner, others continued with a version of what we had started, which is now known as Premier Arts. After my exit from The Learner and following my dream to become like my idol, comedian Jerry Lewis, who seemed to do it all, acting, producing, directing, screenwriting, I began pursuing film I began pursuing film production with more zeal, working as an independent contractor on a number of local and national commercials, industrial films, and the like, as well as producing my own short films. I also continued to act and qualified for my SAG aftercard in the early 1990s for my work on various different commercials and for a role that I did in John Sayles' feature film, Eight Men Out, which starred Charlie Sheen and D.B. Sweeney. Since that time, I've continued to act and produce films, and I'm currently working on an independent web series, as well as this and another podcast that I'm doing with my friend Mark McPeak. It's called Mike and Mark, the M&Ms of Music, in which we discuss music theory and in-depth analysis of work by various artists. My current reacquaintance with live entertainment has taken me, in addition to the many theaters in the Michiana area, to regular visits to Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, and Springfield, Ohio, home of John Legend. There's so much free and inexpensive entertainment here in the Midwest that it's easy to find great entertainment if you only look and talk to the right people, of course. <laughs> Actually, that's why I created this show, to help you identify and to enjoy great entertainment at reasonable prices. In the coming episodes, we'll talk not only about the many festivals, tours, fairs, and concert venues available in the Midwest. I'll also give you as many insider tips as I can to help you find and enjoy great entertainment. As I mentioned earlier, I try and keep my price point low. 
As great as it would be to see Paul McCartney and other iconic bands and performers in concert while they're still touring, and Paul, if you're listening, I wouldn't turn down a freebie, but you can see and attend a lot of great shows for that 1500 bucks that you would have to shell out to have a great seat to see Sir Paul. And while I don't mind sitting in the gallery for major theater events, when I go to concerts, I like to be up close and personal, where they can spit on me when they're singing. I do like to see and feel the heat of a live concert artist. So sit back, enjoy, and fire yourself up to come join me as we seek out and enjoy the best entertainment in the Midwest. If you have specific questions about area entertainment or if you're a venue owner who would like me to come and review a specific show, you can contact me by email at sastoonmedia at gmail.com. That's S-A-S-T-U-N media, M-E-D-I-A, at gmail.com. To help offset the cost of this production, we gladly accept tips and donations. Check out the information in the description for further details. Michael O'Harris is a proud member of SAG-AFTRA, and this podcast was produced under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. The opinions expressed herein are just that, opinions. They are the observations of Michael L. Harris at the time of production, not definitive and not intended to offend or demean any person mentioned herein or any venue mentioned herein, and are subject to change. This program is the property of Sastoon Media and MLH Media, LLC. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. <music>